welcome to User-Friendly Games. I'm your host, Bill Snodgrass, and at the end of December, I got a box from Paizo Publishing containing a lot of books. One of those books is the new resource, Ultimate Wilderness for Pathfinder. This is a seven-chapter book, 253 pages of nature-based goodness. What does that mean? means it's based on a lot of nature stuff, forests, ecosystems, things like that, as you'll see here when we get into it. Right off the bat, they give you three new races. The Gathlians, which are a type of fae. They can look more humanoid with a few leaf features, or they can look like they're sentient bark. Interesting things, fae creatures always come in all different shapes and sizes. These are small. Reminds me a little bit of a gnome or a halfling. You have the Gorons, which are a race of magically created sentient plants. There's a lot of backstory here, a lot of history. If you're looking for that for your character, give them a look. There's different types for them. There's the Vine Leashies, which are magically sentient leashies, and they have a lot of racial abilities. Abilities turn into vines, speak with plants, natural abilities that way. All of these races have their favorite classes, as well as options. So you can change them, such as the Vine Leashy, you can make it into, say, an Ivy Leashy, where they have a natural poison ability. They have a new class, the Shifter. What is the Shifter? Basically a stripped ground druid that is just about beast form. You get rid of the spells, and you're focusing on half forms and full forms. It does lay some of the rules of the druids, so there are those option things. But really, it's, you know, say you want to turn into a tiger with this one, you can do a half form where you're gaining the claws and different abilities that way, or a full form where you are a full-sized tiger. One of these benefits to these is, of course, if you just don't want to deal with spells, or maybe you have a young player who is getting into the game and wants to be something that changes shape, gives a lot of options there without a lot of the overload burden of spells for first-time players or players who simply don't. Or maybe that's what your character is. I'm not saying it's one of mine. It's what it could be for yours. It's some people's ideas. Go with it. Speaking of classes, there's 65 pages of new class archetypes and options for a lot of the current classes available. There'd be a lot for druid and rangers you'd expect, but there's also plenty for things like brawler, witches, there's a new commando class, gunslinger. There are classes for everything. There's even a basically a viking one for fighters, things like that, that you're going to enjoy if you're looking for new archetypes that way. There are a few classes that are not shown in this, and I'm sure they have other options that way too in other books. So if you're looking for something like that, I know sometimes a DM wants to theme a game. You know, they want them all to be based on something. I believe it was Maze Arcana as part of Sirenscape, did a mixture of bar. Every character in the game had to be a bard. So all the players had a multi-class bard with bard or ranger, bard and sorcerer, things like that. Because it was a theme that they were a band. I had one time thought of a kingmaker kind of situation with dwarves, where they went to an abandoned city. It was a mix mash between dungeon crawl and logistics. Probably not a game for everybody, but it's something I've had in the planning for a while. In this case, it would be something perhaps you're all from an elven village or something. So you're all friends or know something about nature. Maybe you're rangers in name, not necessarily class. 
So you're all nature based. You know, your alchemist is an herbalist. Your witch or wizard is Radagask, the brown. Been a while since I've read Lord of the Rings. So moving on from there, you get 21 pages of feats, some of them for the new races, some of them for synergy with the new archetypes, but a lot of feats. One thing Pathfinder has been known for is feats. Now chapters 4, 5, and 6 are probably going to be interest to a lot of people too. Chapter 4, more so for your DMs, a little section perhaps for players. This is the Mastering the Wild section. This is new rules and options for things like foraging, harvesting poisons, dealing with natural disasters and hazards, expanded herbalism rules, uh, traps, and for those that need the rules, how, what checks would you make to take a trophy? Or what you can harvest from certain enemies that are going to make you money, say like a devil's tongue because it can be used as a magical ingredient, or breath weapons, things like that that are useful. Gives rules like on the trophies for what size a creature, how much that trophy is going to weigh. You know, you don't just take a simple trophy from an ancient dragon. Even the horn is going to weigh a couple hundred pounds. Chapter 5 is Companions and Familiars. Now these are rules that help you flesh out, give different things to your companion animals and your familiars. It, for the companions, it gives you rules such as magic item slots, uh, archetypes for them, feats gives you a lot of those kind of options to round those out, as well as new options for your companions, such as animal companion, plant companions, and vermin. These options are meant to give them uniqueness and personality, which is like with the familiars, these are new feats for them, such as what they are. One of my favorites so far is a familiar that is a figment. This one is not necessarily an actual familiar that's been summoned, but is actually a manifestation of the magic user's creation. So it gets different abilities. It's not really corporeal, or it can do different things, walk through walls. Very odd ones. Uh, another one was Pilferer. They like to steal things. You know, say you chose like a raven or a crow, and it was always bringing you back gold or trinkets that it stole. Things like that. There's now also another 20 pages of spells and rituals. I can't complain there, can you? I love having spell options and such whenever I play a magic caster. And finally, there's 10 pages of new gear, tools, and items. Alchemical tools, adventuring gear, plants that you can do different things with, such as the one that you dry and it becomes basically an itching powder. Different variants there, some wondrous items. So all in all, if you're looking for a more nature-based thing or an expansion for what classes you normally play because you like nature or you play druids, or maybe you're playing a class and you want it to be more nature-based, like the alchemist or something. It's just your slant towards how you want to roleplay your character. These are options for you. I love resources. Give it a shot. Again, this is Ultimate Wilderness for Pathfinder. I'm going to be covering a couple more things that they've sent me from Paizo. One of which is the first three books for Dead Sons, the Starfinder campaign, and the first six books, ahem, the first five books of Ruins of Aslant, Pathfinder campaign. Those will be coming up in next episodes. But right now we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with a review of a video game that I think a lot of people might enjoy.
Remember to hit us up at userfriendlyshow.com. Check us out at One User Friendly on Facebook and Twitter. And we'll be right back after the break. And welcome back. If you get a chance, there's a game, if you like RPGs, especially old traditional RPGs, that you might like. It's called Battle Chasers Night War. It's available on most of the systems. I believe it's coming to Switch soon. It's been out for a few months now. And it's pretty cheap. I pick it up for around $16 as of uh, here at the beginning of February 2018 on Amazon. What can I say about this? First of all, if you would know Battle Chasers, you were maybe a fan of it back in the late 90s, early 2000s. It had about nine issues of this comic book. Beautiful art. It is being considered one of the fathers of merging East and West traditions of artwork and style together. It was known for very vivid colors, unique characters that you saw more in anime and manga, but having a Western feel to it in general. What happened was the reason he quit the comic books was, A, he wasn't getting them out too often. About six-month break between them sometimes, and that's not great for comic books, especially back then. He decided to go and become the creator for this game. It's been worth the wait, I would say. This game is great. It's aesthetically pleasing. It is beautiful. And it is really ties back to those old ways of RPGs. The feel of this game, for me, is like playing a really interesting game of D&D. Just the way the characters are, you can kind of see what classes they are, and it plays into that. The characters are well-developed, they're unique. You don't really have to know that much about the comic. In fact, you don't even have to know the comic to really get into this. It thrusts you right in with this beautiful art style, who's who, and gives you backstory as it goes. There's a lot of information that's available. And just the gameplay itself is accessible. There's no real learning curve at first. Um, later on, about halfway through the game, is when the game begins to become difficult. You have to learn. But it has a lot of benefits to it that way. What it is, you have a world map and dungeons on there. There are battles on the world map, things like that. There are no random battles, so it's not one of those running around what seems like an empty map and getting attacked on random. There are moving creatures. Um, the world map, they are static, so you can avoid them or things like that. If you need to, in the dungeon maps, you can try to avoid them. But again, in a game like this, you're trying to get experience, and the only way to get experience is by killing monsters. So, while it is its own game and it's beautiful, some of the benefits, too, is if you're in a dungeon, you can leave and go do other things if you need to without losing out on your progress. 
the dungeons themselves have three different levels of difficulty, each one giving you better rewards as they grow at scale and difficulty. And you can leave. I ran into a situation with about midway through the game where I really struggled getting through the dungeon itself and the boss was near impossible. I was about the level I needed to be, but for whatever reason, different things, needed gear. I was able to leave, go complete two or three, maybe even four or five other dungeons again from that I'd previously beaten and come back and my progress was still where it was. I was right there before the boss battle. No need to rerun the whole dungeon again. No problems that way. It gives you that kind of benefit and it's very straightforward. Like I said, the learning curve later on is you need to learn to juggle buffs, debuffs, healing, those kind of things. You can't really just rely on straight brute force for a lot of it at a certain point. And it's just a fun game. Some of the downfalls I have found with it is that it does crash a lot on PS4. Maybe it's just my copy or something. Seems to be some issue with the saving system. The way that the saving system is, is it auto-saves after every battle. So a benefit there is is that you're not really losing a lot of progress. It's not a throw a controller through a window, burn the game kind of thing like Fallout, where you spent three hours and you forgot to save, or something went wrong and data's corrupted or something like that. These are quick done, you restart the game, you're back probably right where you were or very close to it. There's not that, it's more of just a hiccup and an annoyance than anything. It's okay. And I think for me personally, I question why there's load screens. I'm sure there's some reason with the engine or something like that, but even though it is a beautiful game, it is an HD, for what amount of data is being used, as I know for other games, I may be off, but it seems like load screens shouldn't really be there. I mean, between the overworld map and loading into a full dungeon, yes. But loading into, say, a fight itself, it just seems a little weird to me. So again, that's Battle Chasers Night War. You can pick it up on PC. You can get it on Xbox, PlayStation. And as my understanding, if it's not already out, you can get it on Switch. You got most of your bases covered there if you're interested. Again, it's like $17, $16 to buy on Amazon. Give it a shot if you're into old RPG games. Pretty straightforward. So until next time, happy gaming. User-friendly is copyright 2017. User-friendly media group, Inc. All rights reserved. Music used under license. Opinions expressed on this show are those of the hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views of user-friendly media group, Inc. or this station.